Open your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs 1. Good to be here again tonight. Appreciate everyone being here to come together to learn more about God's will for us. We have begun a series on the Proverbs. We started last week by just thinking about and understanding how important wisdom is to a Christian. And the Proverbs is a repository for godly wisdom. If we want to know about God's wisdom, Proverbs is a good place to go and to read and to to study and to uh, meditate on the writings here in Proverbs. So we get some further insight about how Proverbs can be beneficial to us right here in chapter 1 and verses 8 and 9. Last week we looked at the first seven verses. I said that we're not going to go um, do every proverb or every um, verse by verse, but we're, we're, we're doing that so far. <laughs> um, it, it, it's one of those things where you, you have good intentions of classifying things and maybe moving through and, and, you, and you get to reading and you think, wow, I want to bring a lesson on that. And, oh, I want to bring a lesson on that. So um, it's good. Uh, a preacher will never run out of <laughs> things to preach about. So this is one of those instances. But I wanted to spend a little bit of time here um, in the next several verses and get a lesson out of this. But here in verses 8 and 9, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. I, I, I just love that sentiment. I love the way that, that Solomon has written this. He's given instruction to his son. And he tells him that the things he's going to, going to say will, in essence, follow him in his life. They will, they will be adorning him. And this idea of adorning means uh, to make more attractive or beautiful. And I think about that these words are going to be beneficial to him. Uh, These teachings would do this for Solomon's son. They're going to adorn him, uh, to make him more attractive and more beautiful. I just love the way that that is put, Um, that this wisdom will make him more attractive. And the idea here and, and the lesson that comes through this should be that It'll, it'll do that for us, too. It'll make us uh, more beautiful in that uh, the wisdom will follow with us. Um, it'll be this graceful wreath to your head and an ornament about your neck. So think of the wisdom in those terms uh, as that benefit to us. But here, verses 10 through 19, then, after that, we get some instructions um, about the enticements of evil people. We've heard this kind of warning probably all our lives about the kind of company that we keep, the kind of people that we're around, the friends that we choose, the people we hang out with. And we've given warnings about those kind of people probably all our lives. But in this lesson, we'll we'll look at... um, why it is and how it is that we should be 
beware of bad company. So let's begin by considering how evil people operate. So if you're with me there, let's read um, verses 10 through 19, and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll go through this a little bit more closely. But beginning in verse 10, in Proverbs 1, it says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without cause, let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even the whole, uh, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious wealth. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall have all in one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the net in the eyes of any bird, but they lie in wait in their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessor. So I mentioned here, let's begin by thinking about how evil people operate. So if they're back in verse 10, it says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Evil people will do this, won't they? They'll entice you. This is one of the ways that they, that they operate. 1 John 2 and verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. We think about being enticed by the things of the world, John there writes about those three things. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. Those are the things in the world which will entice us. And man has been tempted in this way since the very beginning. All the way back to Genesis 3. This happened with Eve. The lust of the flesh. Remember how she saw that the, the, tr the fruit on the tree of life, or, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How it was good for food. The lust of the flesh was spelled out right there. The lust of the eye. She said how it delighted her eyes to look at this tree and, the, and its fruit. And then the pride of life. The tree was desirable to make one wise. So those three things there that John talks about all the way in there in 1 John are spelled out right there in Genesis chapter 3 when Eve is tempted there in the garden. But it's enticement. It's being enticed. And this is from the world. This is not from the Father. This is from the world. And we're still enticed by these things today. Well, we mentioned in our Bible class this morning about, uh, you know, men haven't changed over all the years. We're still uh, very much the same in a lot of ways. But this kind of temptation, you can kind of see it in, in advertising. You know, when you see a picture of, a, of food in a, in a commercial on TV, does the food look bad? <laughs> does it look like you wouldn't want to eat it? No, it looks good, doesn't it? They make it look like you want to eat it. And then they have all the dancing things going around, and if you eat this, you'll be rich and skinny and 
prosper. That's why food ads look so good. They're enticing you. Now, it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not for evil purposes, but they, they play on that. They play on what it is that entices us, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and this boastful pride of life. Those things are universal. The world is always trying to entice us. And in this case, and what we're talking about in our direct application here, evil is enticing us to come away from God. Those are the things of the world. The world's always trying to entice us away from God. Another thing to notice here is this appeal to greed. Look there in verse 13. It says, We shall find all kinds of precious wealth. We shall fill our houses with the spoil. Here's, a, here's an easy score. You don't have to work for it. You know, just, just, uh, uh, just take it from someone else. They've worked for it. You just go come along and, and take it from them and fill it in your house with their wealth. Just a few minutes of, you know, some unpleasantness, and then you'll be rich. Godly wisdom tells us the opposite of that, doesn't it? We read passages like Ephesians 4 and verse 28. It says that he who steals must steal no longer. But rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with others who have need. It's just the opposite, isn't it? Here's the Solomon warning his son there about those who are enticing him with greed. It's, you know, we'll, we'll lay in wait for these and we'll, and we'll attack them and we'll take what they have and it'll be ours. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. Another passage is very similar in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 11 and 12. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands. Just as we commanded you, so that you will, have, you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. This idea that the things that we have, we work for them. We don't take them from somebody else. Godly wisdom tells us there's no such thing as an easy score. We must come by things honestly. We must come by things by the sweat of our own brows. We work for the things that we have. And God blesses us when we do it that way. Another thing that we can notice from this is those in the world will try to entice us with peer pressure. Look there at verse 14. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. What does that mean? Come in with us. We'll, all throw, we'll throw everything together into one heap here, and, and, and we'll have all the money and all the wealth here. We'll just, we'll, it'll be all ours. Come on, do it. Be one of us. This is, this is what we're doing. This is what everybody's doing. That's peer pressure, isn't it? Brethren, you know this, that we're responsible for our own selves, aren't we? Philippians 2 and verse 12 tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We're responsible for these vessels that we inhabit. We can't give in to peer pressure. In the final analysis, I alone will have to stand before God. Each one of you will have to stand before God. 
and give an account for the things that you have done. Solomon says that himself over in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 14. Talks about having to stand before God and give an account to the deeds that are done in the body, whether they're good or bad. We cannot allow, allow ourselves to succumb to peer pressure just because everybody else is doing it. It's never a good reason, is it? It's never a good reason in and of itself. We've got to do what God has prescribed for us to do. We have to do what's right in the sight of God, whatever the consequences may be. In Colossians 3, verses 23 and verses 24, it says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. When we're thinking about our work and our labors in the world, do you think about that verse? Do you think about working heartily for the Lord? You know, the things that we do, the work that we are engaged in, we're doing that for the Lord. We're doing that for the, ver for the very reasons that we talked about a minute ago. Is we can work quietly with our hands. Why? So that when someone comes along who has need, we're ready for them. We can help them out. That's working for the Lord. Yes, we have our families to feed. Yes, we have uh, bills to pay and um, those things that we have encumbered our own lives with, financial obligations. But we need to be working hardly for the Lord. And take stock in that. And be okay with that. And know that that's what God wants of us. So here we have the, the world enticing us, trying to pull us out of godly service. In this passage here, we see there's a warning. Look at verse 15. It says, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. Don't walk with them. What does that mean? means don't be in agreement with them. So often that phrase is used, walk with, walking with the Lord. Paul says often, walk with me, or imitate me as I imitate Christ. Walk in this way. This walking means being in agreement. So if you're walking with these people who are trying to entice you to do evil, you're in agreement with them. You're on the same path as them. But don't. Don't follow them down the same path that they're going. Later on in Proverbs 14, verse 12, and also in 16, verse 25, it says there's a way that seems right to a man. There is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. The word way there appears twice. I think about, you know, when we talk about a path, that's the way you get somewhere. So that helps me to understand this a little bit more. There's a path. There's a way that seems right to a man. And it brings me back to this about the path that these are walking. And Solomon encourages his son not to go down that path, not to follow them in that path. We're not to walk that dark path, but rather we are to walk on that path that's in the light. Ephesians 5 and verse 8 says, You were formerly of darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
We're no longer to be on that dark path. Rather, we are to be on that path of light. That right path. Something else in this, in this warning. And that is that these who are trying to entice us are really all, are fooling themselves. Look in verse 16. For their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the net in the eyes of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own, in their own blood. They lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. Feet that run evil, run to evil, hasten to shed blood. They're so quick to do the wrong thing. Interesting that these two things are among the seven things that God hates. It's listed over in chapter 6 of Proverbs. Turn over there real quick. A couple pages over. Proverbs 6. Beginning verse 16. It says, There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises... Uh, devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. There's those feet running to evil. There's those hands that are shedding innocent blood. What does it say about those things? They're an abomination to God. He hates those things. God hates this kind of behavior of people harming other people for their own good for their own benefit, for their own wealth. God hates that kind of action. They think they're being clever, though. Verse 17 speaks of this uh, being useless to spread the net in front of the, in, in the eyes of the bird. I think of what's meant there maybe is that, you, you know, if you're going to set a trap for a bird, you don't want the bird to see it while you're doing it, right? If you're fishing, you don't want the fish to see you. That's why you... You're quiet and you kind of sneak up on them a little bit, don't you? So they set their trap in secret. And then they lie in wait for their prey. But it's themselves that is the ultimate victim here. It says there, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So the plans that they're making are only going to bring condemnation upon themselves. Which leads to the last part of this in verse 19 is the punishment for, for such actions. Verse 19 says, So they are, are the ways of everyone who gains, so are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. The ones out robbing people by violence are just bringing judgment upon themselves. Over in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. We have the, the origin of capital punishment. It says, Whoever sheds man's blood by the man, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. God's laying down the principle there for capital punishment. The hand sheds blood, and that person's blood is going to be shed. So we have these that are, that are lying in wait to rob those. They've made their plans, they're lying in wait. They're going to take what they get and they're going to put it all in a pile and they're going to 
have it all to distribute amongst themselves. They're only fooling themselves. They may have that passing pleasure, but they're only doing things that are going to bring judgment upon themselves. The lesson here from these few verses is to beware of bad company. Those, those around us that are trying to entice us to do evil. It's a constant pressure, isn't it? Whether it's at work or at school, in our communities. They're always enticing us into doing things that are against God's will. And they appeal to you. They appeal to your greed. You know, the quick score, the quick buck. And they'll try to use peer pressure to bring about your enticement also. This is what everybody's doing. This is the way it's done. Everybody's doing it this way. But we are warned not to associate with those kind of people. They're only fooling themselves. This whole idea of the, of the trap that they're laying. They're only fooling themselves. And they will be punished. And so will we if we engage in those kind of things. Nothing worth having comes easily. You ever heard that? We are to work for the things that we have. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10 says, If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Simple wisdom there, isn't it? You're not going to work, you don't eat. That's godly wisdom. And again, there in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 11, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands. That's godly wisdom. We're to work for the things that we have. Quietly. Just attending to our own business. No big show. No... Um, bell ringing hey look what I'm doing no just quietly work with your own hands take care of your needs take care of the needs of your family and when strangers come along who are in need you have the ability to help them that's simple that's godly wisdom 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33 remember what that says do not be deceived Bad company corrupts good morals. The company that we keep can lead us away from God. So the warning rings through from Proverbs all the way there to 1 Corinthians to be careful who you associate with. Because they might be trying to entice you away from God and into the world. We've covered 19 verses in Proverbs and two lessons. There's a lot of wisdom here, isn't there? I hope this is, is being beneficial to you. I know it is to me. We have these, these records here of this wisdom. Simple, easy to understand. So much that it can teach us in our lives as Christians. In our lives as trying to ple be pleasing to God. If you're here tonight and you're, uh, 
not living the life that would be pleasing to God, if you feel like you're being enticed by the world, if you feel like that the world's winning and pulling you away from serving God, we can pray for you and help you. If you're not a child of God and would like to know more about what it means to become a child of God. We can help you with that as well. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.